Welcome to the Addy Hour, where we talk brain science, mental health, faith, culture, and social justice. Having attended one of Dr. Addy's town halls, I can tell you that it's vital information for anyone living in America right now. It was the first time in a very, very long time where I felt like all of me could show up, each parts of my identity. I'm your host, Dr. Nee Addy. My friend, Dr. Nee Addy, is such a unique person who is both scientifically astute, understands the human soul and the mind. At the same time, he has compassion and empathy for the masses. He's been nothing but a blessing to my congregations and my friends. It was the first time I felt like it was safe to talk about issues that are usually not talked about, like mental health and faith and wrestling with your identity. By the end, I walked out feeling so much more validated and hopeful. Welcome to another episode of the Addy Hour. This week, I'm really excited about our conversation about mental, physical, and spiritual health with Dr. R. Kwaku Smith and Pastor Shino Prater. And in a lot of ways, this really encapsulates what we are about on this podcast, really thinking about all aspects of our health and trying to think about things in a holistic and integrated manner. Um, So both these gentlemen, I'm really excited to have them on the podcast because of who they are and because both of them really uh, epitomize this in their investment in the community in so many different ways. So our first guest I'd like to introduce to everyone is Shino Prater, who I know is Pastor Shino. Uh, Pastor Shino is married to Anne-Marie Prater and also the father of three children. He's a former football standout who played his college ball at Penn State. He also played in the NFL for the Tennessee Titans and played in the Canadian Football League for the Hamilton Tiger, the Tiger Cats. So he has a lot, obviously had a lot of success on the football field and was able to make an impact in that sphere. But even while he was playing professional ball, also really invested in communities in a lot of different ways. Something that I know is near and dear to his heart and something that lots of people are appreciative to him for. Right now, he's an associate pastor at Every Nation Church in New York City. He's also an assistant chaplain for the New York Jets. And he's formerly served as a youth pastor and a campus pastor. So again, someone who's really been invested in communities in a lot of different ways. And I know someone who's invested in whole health and wholeness for our community. So definitely grateful to welcome Pastor Shino to the program today. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Our next guest is Dr. R. Kwaku Smith, who is the president and CEO of Black Q. Smith Psychological Consultative Services. Dr. Smith earned his degree, his PhD in urban education with an emphasis in school psychology. And he's someone throughout his career who's also really just invested in so many different communities. So just to highlight a few, he has experience in working and teaching in the public school system, both the elementary school level and the high school level. He's also been involved in several other aspects as well. He's worked in the trauma center at the Children's Hospital of Wisconsin. He's also been involved with the Department of Corrections, working both with male and female offenders. And he's also worked in organizations on topics like uh, workplace performance, diversity, inclusion, and mental health. Um, He's previously served as a psychologist for the Milwaukee Bucks. Definitely have to give a shout out to the Bucks with the way they're playing in the playoffs with their deep run so far. Uh, But he's also been involved with the NFL as well, working with lots of different NFL teams. He serves as the clinical on the clinical advisory team as well. And again, someone who is an activist in many ways and really deeply invested in the community around all aspects related to mental health and wellness. So grateful to be able to welcome Dr. Kwaku Smith to the program today. Thanks for being here. And thanks for having me. It's it's an absolute honor. Well, again, I'm grateful to both of you. It's definitely a mutual honor. I'm just so grateful for the work that you've done and for your willingness to share some of that work with our listeners, even as we are in this state of emerging from the pandemic. Um, And as our listeners know, as my listeners know, we often just like to check in with people and see where they are. Sometimes people I know can feel like it's burdensome to continue to talk about those things, but I think it's important for us just to be real and honest with how we're all doing on a day-to-day basis. Um, So Dr. Smith, if we could start with you, if you'd just be willing to give us a little bit of how you're doing these days uh, as we all are working through these things as a community together. Yeah, so making sure I understand the question right, just how am I doing personally during these days? How am Mm -hmm. I navigating during the COVID season? Definitely. And and, and I think that's an excellent question because there's there's always a question to say, 
who helps the helpers? Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. you're so busy giving. And I know as a pastor, um, when I look at Pastor Sheena, I'm thinking, wow, what he has to give to his congregation on a daily basis and how that's amplified here. And though I don't, I, I would never equate myself to like a pastor, uh, being in a helping circle, you are one who are continually in this vessel, you're pouring out to others. So the question is, how do I remain feel so I can make sure I can give to others? And the honest truth is, has been some highs and there's been some lows. Mm. Um, I think there's a natural reciprocity of refilling your cup by giving to others. It's that mm. thing of when I help someone else, it's, it's a natural, even from a biological, neurological standpoint, we talk about serotonin, you know, and dopamine levels, those things being increased when you do something good. But um, on a more like just intrinsic level, I think when we do something good, just in our heart, it helps us. Mm. But then it becomes that tipping point where you're giving and you're giving and you're giving until where you're exhausted. And what I'll tell you is what's been one of the, the most difficult things for me is to make sure that not only do I do well at work, but what suffered the most was my home. Mm. I, I could go to work and I could get some things done. But when I was going home, I was finding myself, giving my wife, giving my children the absolute worst you know, I'm tired physically, I'm tired emotionally, quicker to snap and things of that nature. And so when you look in the mirror and say, wow, if I'm helping other people, if I'm giving strategies, and if I can't employ these, maybe they're not working or why aren't I doing what I'm actually giving other people to do? And so to that point, what I decided to do was to make a conscious effort, being very intentional about what was I going to do at the start of my day. And at the start of my day, it's going to give honor to my creator give honor to the ancestors who laid a path. But then the next was those people who were right in front of me. How was I going to be a better dad? How was I going to be a better husband? So asking questions. And and this was probably the most humbling, but the best thing I could have done. I asked my daughter, I said, write me out a list of five things that um, you would like for me to improve upon. And oh, she, she's 10 at the time. And she was like, well, maybe you cannot compare us to other people much. Maybe you cannot holler as much. Maybe you could be home a little more. <laughs> and, you know, you see those wow. things and it's very humbling. Mm. But I was so happy that she could be honest. And so what did I do? I started to make sure that I was going to spend more time. I was going to be more conscious about how I spoke to my family. I was going to do those things. And in that made me feel a lot better, uh, Dr. Addy, because then what I started to see is the things I was telling other people to do if I implemented myself, these things really work. So it gave me more confidence in it, but yeah. it was only because of these falls that yeah. I was able to be able to see it, but it was being humbled enough to hear it, then being brave enough to ask for help and then being courageous enough to try to seek out different things. And so we did some of those things. We started building in our house. We started doing projects, things that gave us a purpose. We bought some puppies, which I don't advise them by two. I kind of went overboard with wow. that. But, but what we wanted to do, though, in this concept is to say, what can we do to inject love, to inject something different because we are being infused with something different from a negative standpoint? Mm-hmm. So how could we counter that? And through that time point, there's still some ebbs and flows. But what I've recognized is it's a daily struggle. And what I have to do is look at myself on a daily basis and say, what were my goals for the day? And then at the end of that day, start to evaluate, did I accomplish these things? If so, why did I? If not, why didn't I? And if I didn't, what are the things I can do to do better? So even as we go through it, I think it's still a a, a thing that's in process. It's a very fluid situation. So as you talk about what did we do, I'd say, what am I doing to try to make sure (laughs) that I don't go too far below again to try to stay even kill so I can be good at home in the community and then also with myself. Mm, that's so good. That's so good. And I, I appreciate that level of, of honesty and just the bravery, I think, in your self-reflection too. The fact that you asked your 10-year-old daughter, I, I'd yeah. say that takes some bravery because you're going to get an honest answer. <laughs> you, you obviously did. Um, and just being willing to take that step too. Because I think I've heard people say those things individually too. Like, oh, wow, I feel like I'm on thin ice. I'm snapping a lot quicker than I used to. And just so to be able to have that self-reflection, take a step back and then be willing to let your daughter take that step and to, to walk with her. And I think that goes such a long way. I think there's a lot that we can all, we can all pull from that. So appreciate you sharing with that level of honesty. Um, and I also love, you know, the fact that you're applying what you preach too. <laughs> I think that's so yeah. easy for us. I'll let Pastor Sino jump into, but um, for us who are in the business of healing in any sort of type of way that sometimes it can, I know personally, it can be harder to kind of incorporate that in my own life, even if I'm telling my students that, even if I'm giving talks and sharing that with others, but when it really comes down to walking through it yourself. So I appreciate you sharing that journey uh, with us as well. Thank Pastor you, Chino. sir. Yeah. Pastor Chino, what about you? So for me, I mean, I have to echo everything the doctor said is because, you know, it is hard to give when you're not receiving. 
And so I, I had to early on make a just a mental note that this is a marathon and not a sprint. Mm. And I had to pace myself yeah, because it was so much coming coming at me. You know, phone my phone rang and it was nothing good. It was it was nothing good. Uh, and so it was, you know, I got this, you know, contracted COVID, uh, such and such is in the hospital. They may not make it. So it was a lot of just stuff coming at you, you know, people losing jobs, people moving. Uh, we had to pivot, you know, because of what was going on. Uh, the church wasn't meeting, so we had to go online. So it was a lot of uh, stuff to try to mobilize people uh, and not only people like your congregation and keep them full of faith and, and, and keep them pointed towards uh, towards the Lord and, 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 and leaning into him. But just like Dr. said, I had to take care of my home. Mm-hmm. You know, and so uh, one of the things that that I had to do was I had to to make sure before I did anything is check in with my wife and check in with my children, because my oldest, uh, she uh, was away. She was in college. It was her senior year. And of course, you know, she's just sad because, hey, this is my last year. This is how it's going to go down. And uh, they were half and half in school. And so I'm trying to encourage my 22 year old. Uh, don't quit. Don't give up. You made it this far. You're going to graduate. Then my middle daughter, she enrolled in college uh, in the city and they're not having college. So her first year was online. So she's upset. You know, dad, why is this going on? You know, this is my first year of college. You know, so she's going through it. And then my son uh, being 17 years old, you know, wanting to play uh, sports and not being able to see his friends. And so that was a difficult time. And so just like Doc was saying, it was like, man, I can't be out there trying to save the world mm. and I'm not taking care of my own home. I'm not taking care of my space. And so to check myself, I had mm. to make sure that I was putting in as much as I could put in by reading my scriptures, reading the word of God, spending time with the Lord. Uh, not only that, but listening to podcasts, you know, be, being able to not take a call every time mm-hmm. something came in because some of these calls that were coming in were so taxing, you know, you want to run to help, but man, you, you can't do anything. You can't do what you need to do. Uh, you know, spending time with you, doc, Dr. Addy, you know, listening and to other uh, doctors. Uh, and that was important because doctors were saying, you need to rest, you need yes. to hydrate, you need to disconnect. You know, as a pastor, you want to think you can, save the world sometimes, but you know, you got to understand, you got to give stuff over to God. You got to give it to the Lord and do the practical things and take care of yourself. Uh, The other thing was rest, you know, Mm. sleep was important because if you're not careful, you, you're, you could, you can go deep into the night taking, doing stuff. You know, Mm. you don't have any margins, uh, meetings going into, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night with people Mm. uh, up on the phone, you know, and just having to do those things. And so, for me, it was just slowing down and saying, look, one day at a time, uh, you know, and rejoicing at every victory. Mm. And because there's something about stopping and, and rejoicing about the littlest things, mm. you know, some of the smallest things, bringing hope, bringing life uh, into my home. And we celebrated that as a family, you know, mm. and I wanted my kids to get in on that as well as because I wanted them to see that there were better days ahead. Mm. And a lot of times, uh, we we overlook the the littlest things, and I think for me, you know, waking up in the morning was like yeah. I'm gonna thank the Lord for that, you know, because yes, some people yes, that didn't wake up, you know, uh, thank God that I still got a house, that I I still got food on my table, clothes on my back, you know, just going through, and I begin to tell everybody in my home, you need to identify and start thanking God for everything. There's mm-hmm. anything you can think of because that's going to bring you hope that things uh, that he's here and then he's going to keep, keep us moving forward. So just like doc said, there were some dark moments, you know, mm-hmm. doing uh, funerals on zoom and, mm-hmm. and not being able to weep and cry with the people when they're going through things because of the isolation and the separation, it was tough. Uh, but the one thing that really uh, I can say that helped get me through uh, was community, mm-hmm. you know, uh, just, uh, talking to people, praying with people, crying with people, walking, you know, this being in community the best that we could, even though we're in a physical community at the time, it was just the moments of just being online and seeing someone's face. And, uh, you know, for me, I'm wired a little different. And I think Doc said it as well. Uh, I, I like to help people. 
And so I went and we have other churches around the world and I got other pastor friends that were going through it way worse than we were mm -hmm. prior to what was going on here in New York. And I remember, man, just saying, what, how can I stand with you? How can, what can I do for you during this dark moment? Because it was bad over in, in Europe at the time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he was just saying, you know, just pray with me, man, cry with me, just stand. Let me, let me be, uh, uh talk uh, as much as I can about what's going on in my home and with my wife and my children, because I feel like I'm alone over here. And, uh, man, it was just, uh, you know, it was just a good moment to see mm -hmm. him get through it. And then he was with us on our, in our dark moment as well over here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, appreciate you. Definitely appreciate you sharing. So honestly and powerfully as well. I mean, just so many similar themes with the two of you as well, just that balance between the importance of giving and how that's good for us, but then also knowing the balance between taking time to step back and make sure that we're still, you know, present with our families, making sure that we're still present for ourselves and taking care of our own um, health and, and balance. And sleep is one of the things we'll be talking about in a future podcast, just the, the effects of sleep on mental health and vice versa. So I think it's so important that you brought that up as well. Um, but so many themes that cut across, you know, what you both talked about, just the importance of community um, and the importance of, of serving and also the importance of perspective. Um, Pastor Chino, you talked about just having people be thankful daily about the little things. And, and I'm sure, you know, Dr. Smith, you could talk about the effects that has for us psychologically and, and on our brains. So I think there's so many topics that we're highlighting here that I think are, are critical. And I'm curious for both of you, a two-part question in a sense, how the people in your communities have been doing and what advice you've been trying to give people in the communities where you work to really move through and to get to a place of, of healing and wholeness in the midst of everything we've been facing as a society. So Dr. Smith, if you want to jump in with that question or those questions. Yeah, so I'm kind of like in the middle of two communities. So uh, I do a lot of work with the Wisconsin Badgers. So mm -hmm. I'm working with student athletes in Madison, Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm based in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which mm -hmm. parentally for the last five years have been uh, either in the, the top five, uh, two or three, unfortunately, is the worst place for a black male mm -hmm. to live. So those are two completely wow. different yeah. populations. Yeah. So working with a student athlete population where uh, troubles are, are significant, is completely mm -hmm. different than, mm -hmm. than what I'm dealing with in the city. So in working with the student athletes, you say, hey, how do I navigate being an athlete at a power five conference with all of the pressure that goes along with that now? with the different disadvantages that COVID bring as it relates to our schedule, the, the bubbles that's created inside of there, the different pressures and still being a student. And then just the other things that come with regular college life, those issues that they have. Sometimes we see as small problems, but for those who are going through it, it's absolutely monumental. And trauma comes in different forms and different mm -hmm. fashions. So what I try to teach them, and even to the second community, which I'll speak on next, is how do we maximize the moment of now? You know, when we think about the past, we're thinking about depression. When we think about the future, we're thinking about anxiety. So those things are going to come. Mm -hmm. But we see how can I control the moment that I'm in now? Because the things that's happened in the past, those things have hurt me, but I can't change them. My thing is, how do I try to equip myself to be able to deal with them, no matter how difficult they are, understanding that I can get through whatever. And as it relates to that anxiety for the future, saying, how do I not let that fear of what's going to happen that may not even manifest paralyze me from doing things now that could actually benefit me from what's going on. Now, in Dillon in Milwaukee, where I'm at, where I think we rank like either worse or next to work on every social determinant in the United States from, from the cradle to the grave. So I'm talking about premature birth rate, low birth rate, education, suspensions, detentions, unemployment, underemployment, health STIs, all the way to uh, uh, being the most incarcerated state in the United States. And then on top of that, having a, a higher uh, a death rate. Um, so, so when we look at these things, you say, well, how do I work with people who are dealing with COVID, who are dealing with systemic racism, who are dealing with things where they have literal problems now? How am I going to eat? My mom is in jail. My dad is dead. Like when we have these different problems, mm -hmm. it's a little bit different mm -hmm. of a focus And what can you say? So it still goes back to what can I do now? What can I control? And what we have to do is to be able to instill hope and a level of empowerment inside of people to understand no matter how horrific, how tragic seemingly our situation, that something beautiful can still come from it if we don't give up, if we keep pushing, no matter how desperate it may seem, no matter how dark it may be at the time, it's about how do we create that hope? And then going back to what you say, even in the midst of some of that trauma, what were some of the blessings that was there? What were some of the ways in which we could have been caught up that we want, which gives us a light to know that there is a reason, there is a purpose for our being. And maybe we are going to be the spark that makes it a lot better for other people who had to come the way we are coming up or will come up that way. So when you say like, what population are you dealing with? It's so many different avenues. 
you go, depending mm-hmm. on who you're talking to. Mm-hmm. So when, when you're dealing with people who, who their issues are kind of like seemingly not trauma, but it is trauma to them, you give them that hope as far as where they're going, what they can do. But when you're dealing with people who are in the midst, I mean, in the throes of, of heartache, of pain, of frustration, of a not understanding where a next meal might come or from being homeless at the moment, what we have to do is really focus on the moment and now and then address some of those specific needs to say it's not just words, but also actions that's going to allow you to know somebody to help you and that there are some resources that you didn't even know. And in those ways that you can't help, it's like what Pastor said before, sometimes to be an ear and a shoulder to say mm. the whole world is not somebody who maybe can't do anything but will care will cry mm. will share this time and space of pain with you mm. well that's so powerful and showing up in so many ways it seems like you're talking about too just just being there yeah how, how are people how do people receive that because i know there's a whole range of how people oh, yes. receive that whether they, they push back or you don't understand my situation or i'm glad you're here like what what do you how is that how's that component come into play yeah, it, it, it always boils down to, can you help me? Mm. And if you can help me, then obviously it's received mm. in a little bit different fashion. Mm. Uh, if you're only giving words and no action, then that, that gets tired after a while. So what you have to do is say, uh, what Pastor said before, we can't do it all. So how are you connected with resources? So even if I can't get you here, can I get you connected to somebody? Can I lead you to a way to say, I know there's some help? If I know there's no food on the table, can we bring some food on that table literally today and then show you a way to get it tomorrow? So you say, how is it um, received? How is it accepted? It's always going to be, you know, some good, some mm. bad, but mostly in the middle, it comes mm. to the point where I am appreciative that you did what you say, mm-hmm. took the time, did show the care and did point me into some directions or did actually give me some things that I needed that again, gets me back to that level of hope. Because once you have hope, you remove the desperation because when desperation mm-hmm. comes in, that's when we usually tend to see the worst of the human being. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want to try to avoid. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So powerful. Pastor Shino, what about you on some of those those topics too? Because you, you allude to that array just with all the calls you were getting with them, the yes. devastation. Yeah. It's a lot of similar ways while the topics may have been different. People were suffering at the end of the day. So how yeah. did you, yeah. you know, reach in and intervene and try to do that in a way that doesn't spread you too thin at the same time? Yeah, it, for us, it was just uh, networking, you know, and, and taking the resources that we had and stretching them out and getting them to the people that needed them the most. And so when COVID hit, as first of all, we're in a multi-ethnic church. So being a man of color in a multi-ethnic church, it was it was some tough days. It was some times where we had to navigate. It was just like, man, you know, conversations coming up. Uh, whether it was through the political times or the social injustice times or it was the economy times, everything was just like you had to be on your P's and Q's Mm. because uh, if you said the wrong thing at the wrong time, somebody could take it the wrong way and, you know, start pointing fingers and it just got ugly. Mm. And so we, we really needed to, to be able to navigate. And so for our doctors, for instance, you know, they were running out of masks and in different hospitals but we have family, church family, and people over in China that were able to come up with masks and get those masks from China over to us. And this is where people of wealth and means in our, our, our church community were like, look, man, just I'll pay for it. I'll take care of it. Let us be a blessing to our doctors, our essential workers. Just like Dr. Smith was saying, not just talk, mm-hmm. but action. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, we struggling over here. We're the frontliners. We're taking care of this community and some of our own people. So let us be, uh, uh, let's not just, you know, what can we do? We may not be able to physically come together, but what can we do? How can we get resources and things to people? And that made a a major impact uh, for a lot of doctors. You know, doctors to this day, write our pastors in our church and just say, thank you guys for stepping up and helping us because we couldn't wear the same mask. They were running out of masks. And so just by the grace of God, we were able to get something to these doctors in different parts. We're talking Long Island, we're talking the Bronx, we're talking just different hospitals spread out through the tri-state region where uh, being able to to get taken care of during that time. So that was life-giving. That was, man, we're we're doing something in the midst of one of our darkest moments and hours of of our time here in the the States and then around the world. So being able to to do something like that uh, really was a blessing. Other thing that I thought uh, was important was during the social uh, injustice times, it was important for us to have hard conversations. Mm. 
Now, even though you may not be the color that I may be, and you may not understand how I feel and what I what I'm going through uh, during this time, it's important that people were willing to learn. Mm. They wanted to know. I may not get it, but I need to know. They were educating themselves. They're reading books. They're coming to meetings. They're allowing people to say what needed to be said, having uncomfortable conversations. I mean, conversations that would make you cringe, but they're not just listening, but they're saying, now what can we do? How can we be a part of that? So help uh, facilitating those moments, participating in those moments, being candid in those moments was very important uh, for a lot of people in our communities. We're talking about the community. Uh, Just being in a multi-ethnic community uh, was very important, but being in a multi-ethnic church was important as well. Um, Bringing people out uh, to, to, to march, uh, and and to, and to and to talk was was and people that don't look like you, uh, hand in hand, arm in arm, uh, brought something. It showed people stuff that you know we may disagree, but we still love each other. And the most powerful thing right now during this time was that I was preaching love. I was pre- and not just preaching it, but demonstrating it because mm. love is action. Love ain't just talk. Love is action. I got to get out here and I got to be with the people. I got to do stuff with the people. And so it's hard to to uh, to uh, have people follow you if you're not leading, if mm. you're not leading in that in that way. So a lot of people are like, all right, if you're going to be out there, we coming out there, you know, mm-hmm. and we're going to do these things. Another thing that was uh, important for me and in, in with the community uh, was being a, a sounding board uh, to police officers. Now, I, I know this is going to sound awkward or strange, but as a pastor, I had to get in the, out there with other people and hear their story. Mm-hmm. And being able to go, and, and I was able to, to talk to 150 police officers from all over the country. Mm-hmm. These are some f- current and some former. And letting them know, I hear you. I understand your pain. I know what you're going through. Yes, you're a father. Yes, you're a husband. Yes, you're a grandfather. Mm-hmm. Yes, all the, you know, you're, you're a human being, put it that way. Mm-hmm. And, and putting myself out there and, and, and saying thank you for uh, protecting our communities and all the stuff they needed to do. It cut across the granite society. It mm-hmm. hurt. Matter of fact, people, some people weren't happy about it. Mm-hmm. But once again, as, as, as a man of God, I had to step out and, and do some uncomfortable things to show somebody something because at the end of the day, what I realized, just where we are today, 2021 of June, you look, things have lifted. Things are going back to normal. And so I was able to build some bridges mm-hmm. with some people uh, during those difficult times. Now they're calling this in as things are being restored, things are being repaired, relationships, uh, friendships, things are starting to be repaired. I thank God I was able to build a bridge back when the storm was happening Mm. instead of trying to build a bridge. Now now I have a little relational equity. Mm. And I think that's what's important is having relational equity during dark moments, during dark times. Uh, You were there with me at the bottom. Mm. And now that we're starting to rise up out of the top, uh, we can we can uh, build together. We can do some greater things together in our communities. Mm. That's so good. And again, that theme of community that's kind of across what you're both talking about, just really meeting people where they're at being there sincerely, being there with action. I think that goes such a long way. And I'm, you know, I'm encouraged to just see how things move forward with those bridges being built. I mean, especially as we talk about mental health and just people's awareness of those types of things, um, the challenges that we face. And I think even the way that you both shared your stories about, you know, personally needing to take that time to rest. I know for me with my students, I had to share those stories, honestly. And there's something different about as healers, if we share that ourselves, it, it seems like it takes it to a whole nother level that people can actually relate and grasp it rather than if we just talk about it in a kind of abstract way, or this is what you need to do, but don't bring ourselves into that conversation. So I'm grateful for the ways that both of you have done that so powerfully in so many different ways. And I'm, I'm also curious how, how you see things moving forward, because it seems like at least in a lot of ways, everything we've gone through has shaken us up, um, woken us up to a lot of things, but I'm hopeful that it's also woken us up to just the importance of emotional wellness too. Um, do you think people are catching that or do you feel like that's something that's kind of momentary and passing and if, and if people are catching are there ways that you're trying to make sure that continues for and that people really pay attention uh, to those components because i think in both of what you're doing that's that's a, an essential piece yeah, yeah i think the most uh, i'll let you go first pass it no, seems no, like i'm it. asking the question <laughs> go ahead man go ahead i left that it. one open-ended yes <laughs> and, and so no I, I think it's a point you know i, I look at january 1st what happens mm-hmm. with everybody 
That's mm-hmm. the day of what <laughs> resolutions we're going to do. It. We're going to go here. So it's always, I think, something innate in us to want to restart, to be mm-hmm. better, to improve ourselves. I think there's some things that happened then that starts to accelerate that clock. You go into the doctor and they say, oh, you have diabetes. You have to change your diet. That will force you to eat differently. So sometimes it's from negative things. Sometimes it's like you see somebody else do something where you'd be like, that's what I want to do in a proactive manner. Now, when we get something like COVID, you have to say it brings out the best and the worst of us. Because whenever we're in this type of situation, it does. So some people have recognized it. Wow, you know what? During this time, I had more time to now work out, to to be able to eat different because I wasn't going out as much. I can do A, I can do B, I can do C, which was all constructive. But on the other end, now you have some people, we we call it the COVID-19 for another reason, because those 19 pounds were put on. Mm -hmm. I am a little depressed. I am not able to sleep right. And these are some things that contribute to it. But now from the emotional standpoint, when we look at the lack of socialization that so many people had moving from face to face interaction, moving to the point where we had six feet of separation, literally, but what that meant to us emotionally. So now the question becomes is, how do we recover? When a person goes into a military, if you've ever seen like an 18 year old young man going to the military, young, immature, right after boot camp, looks like a different person because there's been a training, something intense. And so what happened is when we went into COVID, We were all forced to go under a boot training, Mm. a boot camp in a different way. And we learned some things. But now this is the key. Just like a person who's returning from war needs to be retaught, to be reintegrated Mm. into society, to make sure that the things that was happening in war, they can remove that and then reintegrate naturally back into society. That's what's going on with so many of us here. And this is where the emotional wellness comes. What will we do to now to what? rewind our minds to go back to that old sense of normal that we're going into that we haven't been in for a while. Mm. What will we do? So it's going to be about how assertive the person it is. And then that depends on what are some of the situations that we're going through, because let's be honest, the brighter your outlooks, pastor said people were losing jobs, people were Mm. losing houses. Well, it's harder to have emotional wellness and to take care of some of those things. If you have those pressing needs from a Maslow hierarchy of needs situation going Mm. on theory or not, but when things are going good, you do have those basic needs. That's a time where you can say, I do have the emotional wherewithal to really try to like take good care of myself, to be able mm-hmm. to do those things. So I think what we have to do is to look at people, individual situations, mm-hmm. but then also look at some of those past traumas that could have been re-triggered from the COVID and say, mm-hmm. how do we properly reintegrate everybody back into society? So for every parent, for every school teacher, for every employer, we're telling them to take a different look at the people who are mm-hmm. coming back because everybody is coming on different levels. And if we try to do a cookie cutter approach, we're going to lose so many people in so many ways and it's going to deteriorate. But if we can catch people where they're at, that Mm -hmm. emotional wellness, then we can help them escalate slowly at a pace that's going to be helpful and beneficial, not only for them, but for the community at large. Yeah, I think that's so good. And actually, I have a question on that because I know sometimes, you know, when I'm trying to to uh, advise people and things like that. People are feeling surprised because it's almost like in their minds, they're wanting everything to go back to exactly the way it was. And then because yeah. it's not exactly the way it was, that again, kind of leads them into a tailspin of anxiety because then they're, they're not sure how to navigate this new normal in a sense. They're still, you know, even as people are, you know, in certain areas of the country, the masks aren't as prevalent. Then some people are feeling really uncomfortable with that. Some people might yeah. be more skeptical. So how, how do you meet people individually with those types of things to kind of set, well, I guess, realistic expectations in a way that doesn't lead people astray when they, again, hit things that aren't what they expected. You know, I I think it's to the point where we just literally, we ask the questions. Mm. When when we come in, Mm -hmm. we can't just start off, like you said, as is. Mm -hmm. We have to take a moment to pause and say, listen, we need to reset. We need to recalculate. We need to recalibrate this whole thing and say, where are we at? Just to the point, who feels comfortable with masks and who doesn't? Mm -hmm. Because now you can kind of create certain groups. You can say, this is what we're going to do to put you where you're comfortable. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, if we don't ask, we don't know. If we make assumptions, then we put people in categories that probably won't be uh, to their best interest. And Pastor, I apologize because I thought you was about to say something. No. I, I sure didn't mean to no, cut no, you off. One thousand no. parts, sir. No, 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 no. It's I everything you're saying I echo because uh it's funny we're we're trying to regather, we're coming back in. Uh the re um you know the, the church is starting to come back together. Now some people chose to 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 do it anyway, you know, but we uh something that Dr. Smith was saying, meeting people where they're at. Mm. And one thing we did is that as is because everybody something was mask, no mask, you know, uh, social distance, no so people just didn't, you know, all they knew is they just wanted to get back together. But there were some people that didn't, 
And so we had to take the assessment. You know, we had to put the survey out. And you would be amazed at what some people were saying on the survey, you know. And so we said, okay, collectively, what we have to do is show people that we're we're using wisdom. We're not just going to do this thing blindly, but we're going to do this in stages and we're going to do it uh, right. So we got our doctors in our house, you know, that that they get paid a lot of money to do what they do. And they are doctor professionals, you know, they got all the alphabets behind the left. So <laughs> that made us look good, you know. And we said, what should we do? What are you guys hearing? and began to uh, ask them questions. And they begin to lay it out, you know, exactly what, what Dr. Smith said, you know, there are people that are gonna be here mentally, there are people that are scared, there are people that are frightened, and then you got the gung-ho people that just don't care, they're just ready to, to reemerge and get back to normal. And so we've had to balance that and meet people halfway and say, okay, if, you're, if you wanna wear a mask, we're not gonna shun you about that, do, do what's best for you and your family. But if somebody over here chooses not to, then that, you know, that's all, that's up to them. But just meeting people where they are and not putting that extra pressure or extra stress on them to make them try to do something or be something that they're not ready to do or be in this season of their life. Uh, one thing I've learned a long time ago, slow is fast, mm. you know, and I would rather <laughs> do something the right way than do something the wrong way. And then it blows up. And so people are frustrated, you know, you guys should be meeting you, you know, you're letting this happen. And I'm like, no, no, you know, we'll, we'll come back together when it's right. And, and, and unfortunately it's starting to happen. And so meeting people where they are, listening to them, uh, being mindful of children. I think a lot of times as adults, we forget that we forget mm -hmm. where they are and, and what they're dealing with. And, you know, if we're going through it, then, you know, they are probably going through it twice as bad. And so being able to stop and say, but what about them? You know, they're the, they're the priority right now. So we have to be, make sure that they're healthy, that they're whole, that they're being talked to and loved and cared for just as much as we're trying to get it. Mm -hmm. And so that was a big deal uh, for, for us is just saying, you know, we got to take care of our babies. We can't be worrying about like what we want, but we need to be at a pace where they are because you know, this is just not normal for them. It's just yeah. not, you know, not going to yeah. school and things like that. So that was a, a, a big, a big thing for us uh, and for our people, but meeting people where they are and not marginalizing them or making them feel less than based off of their emotions and their feelings or their mental awareness was, was very important. Yeah. That's so good. And it seems like in a lot of ways you were given people's space and time to just process and go through what was, was what was happening. Um, Cause I think, you know, Dr. Smithy can probably speak to this as well, but I think sometimes it's easy for us to forget about that with the children too, because they're the way they react is going to be different from the way the adults react, as you mentioned. And sometimes if we're not keen to that or realizing that, Oh, so-and-so is not just acting out. They're really just trying to process everything that's going on. They're feeding off of the adults too, and really just taking the time to be attentive to that. And Pastor Chino, as you mentioned, giving people time, to kind of walk through those pieces too. Cause I think sometimes there's a, um, there's a, uh, an inclination to go fast. Like you said, too, just kind of plow through the emotions, push it down, ignore it. Um, I mean, I've definitely seen people doing that around anxiety during the pandemic or anxiety after it. It's almost like people are saying, well, I shouldn't, this shouldn't be as much of a struggle. So they kind of minimize it, stuff it down. And it just keeps repopping up and then it just kind of cycles and cycles and cycles. I'm curious for both of you, you know, even elaborating that, how have you given people space and time to process that? Are there, are there specific ways that you think it's, it's helpful and healthy? Is it an awareness piece? Is it, is it um, practical tips? How, how have you approached that? Dr. Smith, you want to jump in? Oh, no, I'm going to switch back. Pastor, I mean, you know, you're, like you're ready. Pastor. You're ready. No, I, was, I was like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, you're good. I was just like, I was saying for, for me, it was a creating space for our men to be men. I think a lot of times, you know, you're looked at weak or, you know, whatever, if you, if you're losing it, you know what I'm saying? If you're, if you're really losing it. And I, I recognize and realize based off of what was coming across my screen, uh, guys were checking out, you know, mm. and when I say checking out, some of the, some brothers was like leaving, like I'm out of here, my, mm. I'm gone. And it was like, whoa, whoa, you know, let, let, we, we have to address this. Mm. And, uh, and so creating spaces, uh, where men could be men and talk about what's really going on, uh, being being uh, leaders in their homes, and 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 it was a safe place. It was safe 
but bringing in the right people. So we brought in a Dr. Sweet to talk to him. We brought in a Dr. Nee Addy to talk to him. We brought in a Dr. Schaefer, men uh, that could minister, not just from the word of God, but also from a, a clinical point of view as well, meeting both the body and the soul because men were broken, you know, mm. for the first time, real pressure. Mm. They couldn't pull them stress out of the bootstraps. You know, you couldn't, uh, you know, uh, whatever, faith through it. You needed some real help. And having guys being able to, to come together and say, man, this is what's going on uh, in my home. You know, this is what's going on on my job or this is what's going on with my children. And hearing everybody across the, the board say, amen, amen, that's what's happening in my house too. Uh, how, how can we do this? How can we navigate this? And with that said, it, it what it did for the men, what it made them realize that they're not alone mm-hmm. and that this they're not the only ones going through it. Mm-hmm. So it made them feel like, all right, man, I'm not losing it and I'm not crazy. And so it was really important for them to be able to share that. And I mean, guys were crying, guys were uh, uh, weeping and, you know, dudes were on the verge of the, you know, I'm just going to be honest. They were on the verge of divorce, man, because they just, they couldn't handle it. You know, they just, the, the, the stress that was going on in the home, you know, the pressures of having to, to make it happen at the workplace, but not being able to go to work uh, and all those things. And so, man, being able to create safe places for guys to be just men to be men to weep because we say it like this as the men go so goes to society and i know i mean not by no means am i marginalizing or putting down women or anything like that mm. but what i am saying is as the men are you know they want to come in and they want to you know provide and protect and do all the things that they are wired to do and uh for the first time it didn't feel like they could do that Mm. You know, things are being taken away from them. And, and then, you know, it's just important for them to be able to come into safe places uh, to talk and discuss and be edified and built up mm. and get real solutions to, to, to real problems. Mm. That's so good. Dr. Smith, you want to jump in as well? Yeah, you know, Pacino said the magic word, you know, it's normalcy because everybody's saying, oh, it's just me. But once you get that idea, okay, it's not it's, it's not just me. This everybody's going through. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Now we can kind of come together. It's like, I can't get through this because this is something everybody is going through. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about that, we also talked about like those stages. And Pastor Sheena talked about as far as elevating people. When we talk about children, you think about what did they do in schools? It went from virtual to hybrid and then to like fall back in because what you got to do is slowly give a process and a progress. But what we have to remember is this, because this is to your original point, uh, Dr. Addy, children's brains are not fully developed. We know from, mm-hmm. from neuroscience, the brain doesn't fully develop till you're between 25, mm-hmm. 28. So that's the prefrontal lobe, the executive functioning, the problem solving, you know, the impulse control. So when we're talking about younger people, we can't expect them to think like adults. Mm-hmm. So what we do have to do is have to have a level, extra level of grace, extra level of patience, extra level of understanding, and we have to accommodate our rules. So any school that has a 0% tolerance, we're going to have to relax on that. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to flex on that. Now, does that mean we excuse bad behaviors. No, but what we do is we look at any type of behavior that we might consider to be bad, antisocial, that goes against the rule as a learning experiment. And we have to say, how do we now make these teachable moments? How do we, instead of punishing individuals, how do we learn and we grow from it? So now what we have to expect is there are going to be individual situations where if we can't express ourselves verbally, what do we do? We express ourselves physically. So we also have to make sure that we're creating environments that's conducive for safety so we can minimize these things. What we have to do is to be able to see them in advance so we can nip them in the bud before they flourish. And those are the things that we don't want to come to fruition. So I think the thing is, how can we be proactive in our plans of saying, what can we predict based on based on other societies? I always laugh from a pop culture, kind of tells my age, but remember the story, life, Mm-hmm. And, and, and when Martin Lawrence was out looking for the first time and he's like, what the, what is going on? What we have to do is give people a chance to what mm-hmm. assimilate back into society slowly. So by doing those things, so there has to be a shared language between the schools, mm-hmm. between the community and between the homes. And hopefully some of those bridges that was broke, Pastor Shino talked about that personal relationship equity. 
Maybe this is a time where we say, listen, we've been apart. This is maybe the impetus for us to say we can't be apart now. It's, it is, we have to put our egos aside to be able to come to better for the betterment of our children. So how do the adults really become adults and to create programs that help our children succeed on all type of levels, not only academically and athletically, but also socially and emotionally. Mm. Well, I love that. The way that everything you both have said is kind of cut across from kids all the way up to adults and creating those spaces. I mean, just in terms of our expectations. Um, I think a lot of this, again, we haven't talked about stigma a lot per se, but it really hits on that. Like the stigma that we apply to the kids and say, okay, if they're acting out, it's because of X, Y, and Z, not because they're struggling in the process or the stigma with men that, oh, if they're falling apart, it's because there's something wrong with them. Rather than giving the space for people to come together and weep, and talk through stuff and process as Pastor Shino was talking about. So I think that's so, so important in so many different ways. And Dr. Smith, as you were mentioning too, just all the aspects about um, our brains and how we process those things. I mean, definitely with the kids, with the time that they need to develop with their brains and really understand those things and how we can guide them through it in that time. And then for us as adults, just the effects that community has on our brains and how it you know influences certain peptides and oxytocin and things like that, that actually influence those parts of our brains and give us those connections and help us be healthy in a lot of ways. So it's really encouraging just to hear the ways that you've both have done that. So practically, I know that it's, it's deeply important to the communities and, and, you know, even with that pushback that you both mentioned that comes at times, being able to push through that and really meet people where they are, I think is so powerful and goes a long way. Um, curious as you know, we're wrapping up too. what gives both of you hope as we're, as we're moving through, because we've hit on a lot of the lows and some of the hope that comes in between, but what's your sense of hope for how we go forward, um, as a society from here? And I'm not, let me see who wants to jump past if she knows ready. So I didn't want, I didn't want to call I'm, anybody I'm gonna out. To the I, I like I'm being monopolized. So I'm going to defer to the pastor. No, man, you had such great answers, Dr. Smith, man. I was just like, man, he's, he's, he's got it. He's got the word right there. Uh, for, for me, what brings hope is it, you know, it, it it's showing me right now what, it sh- what I'm seeing is as things are opening up, uh, people genuinely have learned something. Mm. is that we're better together. And when I see it, because people can't wait to see each other again. Mm. It used to be like, man, I don't want to see them. I don't want to <laughs> hear, you know. Now it's like, man, you see people running. You see people connecting. You know, there's genuine conversations. Mm. Uh, you know, there's genuine, when you say, how are you doing? Mm. You really mean it. You yeah. know, it, it's not just lip service anymore. It's just like, man, how are you really, how are, you know, you go down the list of your, you know, your wife, your children or whatever, uh, you know, maybe you heard something about their job or whatever. And, you know, did you get it back? Or, you know, when you were furloughed or whatever. So that brings hope to me is that people actually want to gather, want to be together uh, and not just any people. I've seen different ethnicities crossing cultural uh, and spending time and, and just, you know, friendships that were not really that solid are now really solid. Mm. And so, uh, you know, it, it's no longer just lip service, but it's genuine. Man, I, I, I missed you. Uh, I missed my, our friendship. And, and, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, if anything was said or done in the past, you know, let, let's make it right now. So that, that's really bringing a lot of hope that people really genuinely have a concern for one another. They really do. Mm, that's so good. And that learning. Yeah. It's, it's encouraging to see, you know, things that we took, took for granted before that I think we just have a diff- different appreciation for. Dr. Smith, what about you? You know what? I, I think um, I want to end it with, I was reading a book called The Soul of America by John Meacham. Mm. And uh, he, inside the book, he quoted Mark Twain. He says, history may not repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme. And, you know, when we think about this once in a century pandemic that we went through, not only were we going through a pandemic, you know, as in before we were just ending a war war, uh, the first one uh, mm-hmm. you saw, you know, what happened to our Japanese uh, citizens. We mm-hmm. saw what was going on with with the KKK and mm-hmm. the different things, even with women's suffrage and things of that nature. And I look and I say, wow, it seems like we're in a, in a repeat of itself. But also what I look back is I say, I would much rather live in 2019, 2020, 2021 mm. than 1919, 1920, 1921. Mm. And so the question is for hope is to say, even despite those same times that was very similar to, to what we're going through now, our ancestors found a way to not only overcome it, but to make it better. Mm. So uh, we have we got there? No, absolutely not. 
But that's where the hope comes in, because what we say is, what will the generations of tomorrow say about us? Mm. And this is where I put my hope in uh, my creator. I put my hope in my fellow brothers and sisters of humanity and say, what are we going to do to make it better for the next generation, the next two generations to come? And so that's when it's incumbent upon saying, hey, you know what? I have hope because in my hands, I help control some of this. So what am I willing to do? What am I willing to give? And when I look at all of the great people's throughout times of antiquity, who we appreciate, who we respect. It's the, 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 the Jesus of Nazareth, people who are willing to give their lives, the Martin Luther Kings. We look at the Muhammad Ali's. Maybe I don't give my life, but I give up what my freedom. I give mm. up my career. I give up certain things so I can make a point to make it better for all. So what I challenge myself to do, and hopefully that burns off on others, like what am I willing to sacrifice? What am I willing to give to make it better for the next generation? But knowing I have some power over that, gives me a feeling of hope. It's like when you're driving a car, I'd much rather be driving than in a passenger seat because you got a little control. <laughs> and because I feel I have that control and I know what's controlling me, I feel a better hope for tomorrow. And that's what I want to try to convey to all who I touch. Mm, that's so good. Definitely appreciate what, what both of you share and the ways, to be honest, that you're doing that on this, you know, in the work that you're doing already, but just being in this conversation today too, because I know folks are going to be listening and the practical tips that you've, you've laid out, just the, the honesty that you've laid out. I know that goes a long way uh, just in bringing people together in community. And again, making, making things better for those who are here with us now, those who are coming after us. Um, and, you know, just, just, I'm just grateful to be honest for, for, for both of you. I know community is huge. That's definitely come through in this conversation. And I think that, you know, there is hope. We do have a ways to go. There are ways that we're growing stronger as community. I guess my, my hope is that, that that continues as well, that we can really hold on to that and not forget in the moment, that we don't forget everything that you both mentioned that we've learned after going through things this year, that we don't forget what we've learned about some of the disparities that are there. Not that those weren't there before, but for I think for many people, there's a new level of awareness. Um, and just what you're both mentioning about action, or we wanted to kind of take that action, step in and get to a better place as humanity under one creator and just just have that that wholeness as a community and together. So definitely appreciate both of you uh, being on here, sharing your words of wisdom with our listeners. I know there's a lot that I've learned from both of you. I'm still, to be honest, just soaking it all in because there's so, so many good points that you all, that you both brought up. So Pastor Shino, Dr. Smith, thank you much for, so much for being here. It's been a great conversation. Definitely appreciate both of you. And I know this is going to be great for our listeners as well. Hey, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to meet you, Pastor Shino, Dr. Addy. Um, that makes me hopeful knowing that it's great men like you in the world um, that influence so many other people. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to what we can do going forward. Agreed. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Agreed.